Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Open your Bibles to the book of Colossians, or really the letter to the church in, Col- in Colossae. It's Colossians. Um, today, if, if you don't have a Bible, so nor- a lot of you bring your Bibles, a lot of you have in your phone. Today is a day you will want access to a Bible. Um, we use at this church most of the time when we teach the translation called the English Standard Version or the ESV. So if you don't have a Bible, you can go to esvbible.org and pull it up on your phone. ESV also has an app that's free you can download and you'll always have the translation that we use. But you're going to need that later on today because we're going to do something that the scriptures are not going to be on the screen. So go to esvbible.org so you can follow along with us today. So last week we talked about, so last week is a standalone sermon, and I talked to you about how to approach the New Testament primarily in your Bible, and specifically the letters in your Bible. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Colossians, Ephesians, all of those letters, how do we approach those? Uh, Was last week's sermon helpful for you? I've heard a lot of good feedback saying, okay, that helped me, because many of you have tried to read the Bible and just felt stuck or felt like, I don't know what to do with some of this. Some of this seems really weird. If you weren't here last week, you can go on our website, you can watch that sermon. I got a lot of feedback that said that helped me a lot. So here is a premise of last week. As we said, that the Bible is, value, is valuable and beneficial to us today, right? We believe that at this church. We, we immerse everything we do in Scripture. And it's valuable to us, but in order to understand and get the most out of Scripture, you must approach Scripture understanding that it was written in a different time and place than we are now. Specifically, your New Testament was written in the first century. And so the metaphor we used is is this terrain is first century, and you all are sitting out here in the 21st century. It's a different terrain. And on Sunday, we, we get all this equipment on stage. We have to load it back upstairs. And so we, ta- we have to get all this equipment from this terrain to this terrain and out the doors. And so what we do on Sundays when you guys are gone, we bring a big bridge, this, this ramp, and we take everything off. And so what we said is the scripture's written here in this terrain. We read it here, but here's the rule of Bible study. When you read the Bible, you need to first try to read it in the context of this terrain. And then you can take it to your terrain. What we don't want to do is just open the Bible. Okay, God, what do you have for me? Boom, open the Bible. Okay, it's God's word to me. Now, is it God's word to you? Yes. But it was God's word to someone else first. In their context, let's read there. And then we have a bridge. And so last week what we talked about is what's the bridge that helps us connect from this century in this context to ours? And here's what it is. The first thing you do when you read a passage of Scripture, so today Colossians, is you say, how does it fit into the overall story of my Bible? It's the first thing. How does it tell the story from Genesis 1 to Revelation that all that God has done? That's the first thing. The second thing, what is the cultural context of when that was written and where it was written to? So the example from last week is you look at the book of 1 Corinthians, written to a church in Corinth, and Colossians, those are two different cultures. Corinth is Vegas, New Orleans, at Mardi Gras, 
um, and L.A., all put together in one. Colossae, we're going to read today, is Bolivar, Missouri. A little bit different. So what's the cultural context going on in the place that it's written? The third, what's the situational context? What's happening in this church in Colossae that's different than what's happening in the church in First Thessalonians or, or Corinth? And so you have to look at why did the writer, in this case Paul in Colossians, why did he address these issues? What was happening in that church? And then the fourth context is what's called literary context, and that is just simply how does the letter flow from the beginning to the end? Why does he start with this truth, but then later apply this truth to something going on in their church? How does one sentence, how does one paragraph flow into another? So hear me. The Bible is for you. But it's important to read the Bible in the context of how it was written before you just automatically apply it to yourself. That's what we invited you to last week. It's, it's for our benefit. It's beneficial to us. But we need to respect the context of where it was written. And what we told you last week is when you read any letter, when you, you get a letter, you read the entire letter first, correct? Then you go back and read a certain part of this letter. That's how we read letters, and that's how I'd invite you to read the scriptures. So we invited you last week to read the letter of Colossians all in one sitting. Before then as a church, we jump into the particulars of that letter. Okay, so these letters, all the letters in your New Testament were written to churches, to a group of people gathered together just as you are. And it's, they're meant to be read out loud. I mean, for, for centuries, the printing press wasn't even available. And for years, people didn't have access in their own language to the Bible. And so primarily for generations after generations, the Bible was read like this. This is how you would have read your Bible and understood your Bible. Okay, so in this particular case, the book of Colossians, Paul is the writer, and he's writing to this church in Colossae, and, and the invitation would be that they would read this letter out loud among them. And so I want you to go to Colossians. You're going to see that this feels and reads like a letter. So every letter starts with a, with a greeting. Okay, and so Paul's going to do that. In Colossians 1, look at the very beginning. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. So who wrote the letter? Help me. Who's it written to? Colossians. The church in Colossae. Is it written to Daniel Hood? No. Is it for Daniel Hood? Yes. So imagine I come across a letter up in the office from, uh, from Michael, who's one of our pastors, to his wife, Ginger. And because I'm nosy, I'm like, hmm, I'm going to open that letter. And I start reading it. A letter from Michael to his wife, Ginger. Is everything in that letter for me? I hope not. <laughs> but can that letter teach me how to love my wife better? Yes. You see the idea. It's written from Paul to this church in Colossae, dealing with matters that are going on in their church. And so now as contemporary readers, we say, okay, let's understand that now. How would God use that for me to love Jesus more? For me to love my neighbor better. 
So he writes to this church in Colossae. Uh, Most theologians consider Colossae the least important churches of all the churches that are in your New Testament. As a matter of fact, this town of Colossae, shortly after they receive this letter, a huge earthquake comes and devastates the region, and the town disappears. And this church, even the members of this little house church, are, are, are scattered across. So, book of Colossians begins as a letter who it's from, and who it's to. Then it goes into a prayer. Look at verse 3 of Colossians 1. It says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So he goes initially, he says who it's, to, who it's from, who it's to, and then a prayer, a prayer of blessing. Almost all of your New Testament letters follow this theme. And then the next is the body of the letter, where he actually gets into what he wants to say. And so how most letters work is it goes right into theology first. You'll see this in the letter of Colossians. It goes into the preeminence of Christ. And then after dealing with some theology, you'll see, therefore, comma, and then he's going to instruct them what to do in their church. Okay, because of this truth that Christ is above and before all things, now here's what you do with it. And you'll see that same flow in the book of Colossians. As you guys read, hopefully this week, this letter, did you begin to see the flow of the book? Did you begin to see why maybe he unpacked this theology early on so he could address this letter early on? If I could point you to one verse that I might say could be the main focus or the main point of the whole letter, it would be this verse, Colossians 1.13. He, Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I think this verse sums up Paul's whole letter. So here's the message I believe of Colossians primarily is you and I were dead in our trespasses and sins, living a life of rebellion against God, living the way that we thought was right and that by no merit of our own, Jesus found us in the midst of our sin and transferred us by his life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension into the kingdom of light. Jesus said it like this, my kingdom has come. Jesus' favorite thing to talk about was the the kingdom, the way that believers in Christ are called to live because of what Jesus has done, that Jesus has transferred them. They haven't transferred themselves They didn't come to church and stop cussing to therefore transform themselves. No, because of Jesus, they're here. Now, the rest of the letter, what does it look like to live here? What does it look like for Daniel as a a husband to love my wife, Emily, not from here out of selfish gain, but from here, sacrificial love? What does it look like as believers who are from different backgrounds to come to one another and the very thing that unites us is our love for Christ first before anything else would divide us? What's it look like now, because I'm here, to love and go to church with someone who I disagree with? Anyone? He has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I believe that's the overwhelming message of this book. And then, after he goes through the body of his letter, he goes to a, so he goes to a farewell, to an ending. Go to Colossians 4. 
And if you read through your Bible, sometimes this can almost be like funny because he, he's like saying hi and bye to people. So look at Colossians 4. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. So Paul's writing this letter. Probably Luke is with him. And he's like, hey, Luke says hi. By the way, that's Luke who wrote Luke and Acts. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea. That's a church that's just down the way. And to Nympha and the church in her house. So he's like, hey, say hi to these other churches. It's interesting that Colossians, Paul has never been to the church in Colossae. He's been to Laodicea, and then someone from Laodicea took the gospel and planted a church in Colossae, but he's never been there. And when this letter has been read among you, see, see what he's calling them to do, read this letter among you, have it also read to the church of Laodicea, See, so you lead the, also read the letter from Laodicea. So he's like, hey, there's another letter to them, you guys need to read that. And say to Archippus, hey, see that you fulfill the ministry you've received. And he's writing to people there, tell, giving them specific instructions. So when Paul's writing this letter, and how letters were even delivered in those days, he would have been very careful to script this letter with great care. Writing a letter in the first century was a daunting task. Oftentimes it meant he'd be translated, you had to find a scribe to write oftentimes, and then he was, Paul's in prison as he writes this letter. He would have, so Paul would have written this letter, and then he would have given his letter to a messenger. That messenger would have taken that through sea, through land, to this church to be read aloud. So, so even delivering a, a letter in these days was an expensive, daunting task. It's interesting. Look what Paul does in uh, Colossians 4, verse 7. He identifies the messenger. Look, look what he says. Ticketus will tell you about my activities. He is a beloved and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, that we may engage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus. So he's identifying the messengers that are going to carry his letter. So here's how it work. Paul's in prison writing his letter. He finishes the letter. He would meet with Tychicus and Onesimus and say, all right, here's what's in the letter. They would probably read it together. And they, he would say, what questions do you have? And they'd say, well, what about this? Okay, here's what, here's what this means. The messengers would know everything in there, would know how to explain it. And so they take it on a journey. They take it to the church. They read it. And then just like you, when you hear this, you're going to have questions. And, and they would have asked, hey, what's Paul mean here? Okay, here's what he means. That's how a letter was delivered. And so Paul even see, like, identifies here who's going to deliver the letter. And he says, have it read among you. Now, this is key. Again, we're reading in our culture here, in our 21st century, you and I are not going to know everything about this letter. We're not going to know every situation that's going on. Let me give you an example. Colossians 2, 16. Paul says, let no one pass judgment on you for what you eat or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Has anyone been to a new moon festival recently? This week, anyone? I don't know what that was. And we may not know. So there's going to be parts of this letter that we just don't know. I mean, lost through time. What exactly was happening here? So then what we have to say is, okay, we don't have all the information, 
But what's the attitude? What's the heart behind what Paul is telling them? So as you read your Bible, here's my charge to you. Read a letter, any letter. Understand the whole of the letter before you jump into the parts of the letter. And understand that this letter was written to someone else, and it's not always written, it's not like written to you. I'll give you an example. There's a place in Timothy where Paul tells Timothy, hey, you're, I heard your stomach's been hurting. Quit drink, drinking water and drink some wine. That'll fix your stomach. That doesn't mean when you're reading your Bible, it's like, oh, I better put my water down. It doesn't mean that. Read in context. Understand the whole before you jump into the parts. Again, if I could give you this verse as the whole, Colossians 1.13, he, Jesus, has delivered us from a domain of darkness. Everyone been there in darkness? Come on now. You been there? Of course you have. And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So this letter was written to a church and was to be read aloud to a church. So we're going to do something at Hill City today we've never done before, except for the last hour. We're going to read this letter in its entirety this morning. Okay, I have four readers who are coming up here. They're going to, yeah, give them, give them applause. Uh, it's scary to get up here and read from 350 people. Um, two of them, it's not even, English is not even their first language. So uh, you can try that later. Um, we're going to read the book of Colossians, the letter to the Colossian church, its entirety. It's not going to be on the screen. Again, esvbible.org. I'm going to invite you to follow along and hear the reading of God's word. Let it sink into your bones. And this, this visual of he has transferred us from darkness to light because of Jesus. See if that imagery, if you can follow the line of thinking as we read this letter to the church. You, you good? Okay. Sonny, you're first, brother. Take it away. All right. Paul, an apostle for Christ, Je Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of the saints because of the hope laid up, on, up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the world of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned and from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and he made known to us the love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with knowledge of his will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in the manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in, in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened 
with all power according to his glory might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. He is the image of invisible God, the firstborn of all creations. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rules or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. In him all things hold together. And he is the head of all the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything we might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to do well, and through him to reconcile to himself in all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And for you, once we have alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of his flesh by his death in order to present to you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in faith and stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creations under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. In my flesh, I am filling up with what is lacking in Christ's affiliations for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship of God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but not revealed to the, his saints, now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory, of the mystery, which is in Christ, in you, the whole of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, 
and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in a baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. There are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail without vision, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through his joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still living in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human percepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him, and Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Awesome. Can you thank our readers? Good job, guys.
really cool to read the letter in the way that it was meant to be read and to see that this is a, a real person, Paul, to a real church with real people, with real struggle, and what he's inviting them into. And then for us now, years and years later, what does this mean for us? And what's it look like for a community of believers who come from all different places, all different backgrounds, ethnicities, stances, belief, come together and to love one another well. Here's the message of Colossians. You, brothers and sisters in Christ, you were once dead and alienated in your sins. You're broken, sinful, doing your own thing. And upon no merit of your own did you transfer yourself. You didn't get your act together. You didn't stop doing bad things to get to God. No, he found you in the midst of your brokenness and he transferred you to the kingdom of light. Self-righteousness has no place in the Christian life. You did nothing. Any place in me that wants to look down and judge and well, it's not there. Your hope is the life of Jesus. He lived the life you couldn't live. The death of Jesus, he died the death that you deserve. The resurrection of Jesus, he conquered that death and has life. And now the ascension of Jesus, he's in the right hand of God and interceding on your behalf today. He's the great high priest. That is your hope. And now you're transferred to the kingdom of light and invited to live that way. And what would a church look like where every single one of us are understanding that we have a righteousness in Christ that gives me permission to not always have to be right. That I have a righteousness in Christ that gives me permission to not have to prove everyone else wrong. That I have a righteousness in Christ that allows me to love those that I deeply disagree with. We know what's happening this week in our country. We know how our country's divided. The kingdom of darkness says hate, fear, worry. Make sure everyone knows that you don't agree. Prove them wrong. The kingdom of light says love one another deeply from the heart. That the supernatural love of Jesus would somehow come over believers that we love those, especially our enemies who we disagree with, with the supernatural love of Christ. If you're not a believer today, if this is new for you, if church is new, here is the gospel. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. You can't get to God on your own. It's why Jesus came. Your only hope is him. Put in your faith in his life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension. And then he invites you to be transferred into this kingdom of light. We, as a church, would love to walk you through that. At the end of gatherings, our elders are always down here. Come up and say, I, I, I want that. I, I want to know how we can be united to God. 